Welcome to Reveal, the Revenue Intelligence Podcast powered by Gong. We're your hosts, Devin Reed. And I'm Sheena Badani. Revenue intelligence is a new way of operating based on customer reality instead of opinions, making data-driven decisions based on facts instead of opinions or guesswork. And it's made up of three success pillars, people intelligence, deal intelligence, and market intelligence. You know, the things all revenue teams need and care about. Every week, we interview senior revenue professionals and share their stories and insights on how they leverage revenue intelligence to drive success and win their market. You'll hear how modern go-to-market teams win as a team, close revenue with critical deal insight, and execute their strategic initiatives, plus all the challenges that come along with it. Gina, in sales, there's a lot of good emails that you can get, but there's one specific email that was always my favorite to receive. Do you have any guess of what that email is? I would have to guess that it's from a customer, and it's when the customer is like, green light, let's move forward, something like that. I had a feeling you would guess that. And that is the second best email. The second best email is the green light email. And that, that, sh- that, that, will, that will shift your entire day, right? You can turn it around. But there's one more better email. Do you want to take a guess? When you get a really nice personalized email from an SDR? No, that's like top five, maybe. No, that, that's nice. But as a seller, as a seller, you don't get that. Now I get that sometimes. The best email is the DocuSign email when the deal has been closed. When you get the yeah, yes. when you get the signature, that is the best email. Yes, totally good one, good one. I like it. And the reason I brought it up because if you saw the uh, title or description of today's episode, we got to hang out with the AVP of Amia Sales at DocuSign, uh, one of my favorite tools uh, as a seller because, as I mentioned, helps you get deals done. Uh, and we had a good old time today, didn't we? We did. It was. Um... I got to hang out with two people from Dublin, one one a little bit closer to me and, yeah. and one a little bit further across the pond. We're, uh, so we were getting warmed up and she was like, where are you calling from? And I was like, I'm calling from Dublin, California. And I think <laughs> she thought I was messing with her because I doubt Dublin, California is very well known in Dublin, Ireland. And, and I was like, no, I, I, you know, gongsters think I moved across the, across the seas, but no, in fact, I just, uh, just about you know, a few miles, a few miles east, but, uh, yeah, a true, a true Dubliner. And then this East Bay guy. Uh, exactly. And, you know, she has like such deep experience with in enterprise sales and a lot of like passion for her craft and passion for her company and like the impact that it has on the world, not just for clients, but just. Um, all of the initiatives around sustainability um, that DocuSign is focused on. So we talked a little bit about that and how she can really feel um, fulfilled through her work through a variety of ways. I love that. Mm -hmm. Same, same. So if you're listening to this and you have a proof of concept in your sales process, if you have a land and expand as part of your strategy or anything of the like, you are going to enjoy this because we break down both which is how to set them up, things to look out for, how to measure their success. So uh, if that sounds interesting, then you are in for a great episode. So with that, let's go hang out with Daniela. Daniela, welcome to Reveal. We're so thrilled to have you on the show today. Hi, guys. Nice to be here. And you're joining us from beautiful Dublin, Ireland. Is that right? Absolutely correct. A couple of weeks ahead of uh, Halloween. It's autumnal and beautiful. So, and, and really, really happy to spend a bit of time with you guys. 
Oh, great. Well, thanks for spending your Friday. And uh, we were just chatting before we got started that um, we were hearing a little bit of white noise on Daniela's side, which was uh, she told us that was her wine fridge. So she's getting ready to head into the weekend um, right after this conversation. So I think we're all in a good mood. It's a nice Friday today. Happy Friday. All right. So, Daniela, just to kick it off, um, you know, you're currently in DocuSign. Um, you're the area vice president of major accounts for EMEA. And you've been in this position for about two years, specifically focused on major account sales. And so I'd love to hear, like, what attracted you to this segment in the first place? It's always been a passion of mine. So I've been in the industry, in the tech industry for the last 25 years, leading organizations um, that are working with large enterprises and helping them on their digital transformation journey. And what I loved about uh, DocuSign more so than, than the segment is just what the company and the platform can actually do for businesses and how we can impact some of the, the values and the causes that are really dear to my heart and how I could play a big part in, in really leading that business for EMEA and helping EMEA customers to really go on that journey. So that's really what excited me and why I ended up uh, moving my career to, to DocuSign. And now maybe you could tell, tell, tell us a little bit, like, do you specifically have experience doing transactional sales in addition to enterprise? And what do you particularly enjoy about the enterprise motion mm -hmm. uh, versus a transactional one? I, I must admit, I have very little experience in transactional sales. So I have my entire career spent in applications or uh, SaaS businesses um, with, of course, uh, larger or smaller engagements on that. But it's always been around value selling and ensuring that we are playing or the company was playing a part in creating a transformational piece on the journey for our customers. So when you think about what I have mostly done throughout my career is really help clients understand some of the uh, most impactful steps in getting set on that journey and understanding what business outcomes they could get from investing in the right platform. So very much always been on the value enterprise sales side, not so much on the transaction side. And uh, just kind of a follow up on that. What do you think has set you up to be successful in that type of sale? Is it some specific kind of training you had, maybe something you studied in school, um, just some personal interests. Would be curious to dive into that a little bit. Sure, absolutely. There's just, I think, three elements to being a, an impactful sales leader. I think it's number one, understanding business models, aka how does the business generate revenue? How do they serve their clients? And what are critical inflection points either to support a better customer experience or we've all heard the term about talent and the war on talent. How do you facilitate a better employee experience? And ultimately, how in, in nowadays super important, how do you have a positive impact also on the planet and your sustainability actions? So for me, really understanding and having a good grasp on business and understanding what makes business work and, and how we can support that is super important to be successful. It's the first point. The second point is really having a keen understanding of data and data-driven insights. So when you run large organizations, which I've had the pleasure of doing for many years, 
it really is key to absolutely follow your instincts and opinions. However, also to double check with, uh, with data and understanding your consumption models, understanding your engagement models, how many touch points you need to have in critical phases. And of course, uh, and this is the final point, really relying on strong methodology that's delivered by a strong enablement team so that your team is set up and capable and able to deliver an outstanding service in the sales experience to your clients. So as a sales leader, that has always been um, the three key areas that I focused on. Understanding business, understanding how you can impact that and the data that you need to drive meaningful actions. And of course, uh, finally, making sure that you have clear process methodology and enablement and support for the team delivering it. Well, I heard data crept into that answer and uh, on the reveal podcast, you know, we're going to dive into that in a little bit, Daniela. But uh, before we get there, I'd like to ask a little bit about the strategy. So a lot of folks have heard of uh, landing and expanding, or as mm -hmm. we're calling it today, knowing and growing. How would you define that uh, exactly? <laughs> how would I define that? It's a, I think knowing and growing is a, is a nice term. I think it's how you define your starting point um, on a journey with a client. So if you think about, um, we used to call it years ago, proof of concept, or really getting a pilot started, for want of a better word. So that classic land strategy, you have a strong sponsor yeah. in a department, um, a department head, and you work closely with, with them and their teams to really drive positive outcomes for the organization. And by doing so, really ultimately, A, prove that you do generate huge value to the business, but also give comfort around the commitment that you have to the business on making them successful and driving outcomes and giving them almost an assurance that as they roll out across an enterprise-wide deployment, they can trust the service that they get. They can trust the partnership and they can trust the value that they will get out of the engagement. So the knowing and growing is very much, I think, emotion that is built around success, trust, and ultimately a proof of value. I really love that phrase because, you know, when we say land and expand, it's very um, kind of vendor centric or like right. it has that sales perspective. It's right. Like I'm going in and I'm going to get in there and then I'm going to expand the account versus mm -hmm. knowing and growing is really the customer's perspective. And so I think that's a wonderful phrase and I hope that is, uh, adopted after folks yes. hear it here. Right. <laughs> For sure. Let's try a revolution. <laughs> One of the big parts you mentioned was kind of like uh, the metrics or milestones, success metrics, right? Whatever you kind of call it as you're doing a proof of concept, Danielle. And I know uh, a lot of the teams I've worked on have that, right? Whether it's in mm -hmm. the sales process, right? Like mid, you know, mid funnel, get them into a proof of concept and convert them into a paying client. Or it could be, you know, just landing that initial deal. And then, you know, obviously the expansion that can come in post-sale. I'm curious, how do you think about or operate on uh, trying to get those milestones, right? Like, how do you make sure that you have the right success metrics with your buyers as you go into this uh, land and expand or, or know and grow uh, model? In any meaningful relationship, business or personal, I think it's good to communicate, right? So I always uh, find we can share best practices. 
on what obviously has worked in, in other companies or in certain verticals, number one. And number two, really spend time with the client to understand what, what outcomes do they want to achieve. Now, of course, the ideal scenario is a mix of both. So you compare yourself to what's best in class, what can we achieve together, but you absolutely have clarity also on your sponsor's success and what does that mean to to them and their business. So if they're asked in six months' time, was it worth the investment? Did Did you get what you needed? First of all, that everybody has a clarity on we did agree metrics and here are the three metrics that we agreed on and here's the results and be also to give them an opportunity to articulate that to the wider business. We often talk about turning uh, our, our clients into advocates and how do you do that? Um, you know, you do that by proving that they made a good decision and they made the right decision. And very often we assume that every organization is super organized and super set up for metrics and data-driven decisions. We all talk about it, but in the heat of the moment when something needs to get done, those things sometimes get back-engineered. Not a bad thing, but I do believe it's super important to always define for any project, IT project, what actually did we look to achieve and then set a date and review and say, okay, have we done so? And if so, what are the learnings and what are the successes that we can take from it? And how can we share that with, uh, with people around us? Worded beautifully. And on the realm of communication, a lot of times there's got to be communication between sales and customer success or account manager, depending on kind of how the organization is, is uh, put together there. Do you have any advice for teams on how they can communicate better, collaborate, and make sure that it's a true you know, internal partnership, right? Mm-hmm. So it can be a good client partnership mm-hmm. as well. I think there's two ways of looking at that. So number one, a transition from a technical platform point of view, aka do you have a platform that allows all of the supporting teams to communicate with one another. I think we all are familiar with the CRM term, but how you actually utilize that to make it seamless and make it a positive experience for all contributors to share meaningful information is is key, I believe. And that coupled with also some critical collaborative aligned engagements between teams that uh, really are there to serve the customer is is the the second element. So if you want the machine element and human element to me are both critical in continuously creating a world-class experience for anybody's clients. And it's something that very often one or the other has continuous areas for either breakdown or improvement that unless we continue to engage with one another uh, can really easily cause silos and have a negative effect on your customer experience. So therefore having almost that ownership mentality as a leader to ensure that the entire process is reviewed and is as sleek and as important as it can be uh, for, for the internal business is, is really a key action to be taken for any sales leader out there. So I'm gonna give you two scenarios and you have to tell me which one you're gonna pick. So number one, you get to start small with a new client and, and know and grow with them. 
or scenario two is you have a full-blown org-wide rollout from day one with a new customer. Which one would you pick? Which like what do you what are kind of like the things that you would think about in order to make that decision? I'll always go big, right? So <laughs> I'll I'll definitely choose uh, option number two, Sheena. All joking aside, I would choose number two, but uh, it, it requires certain maturity on either uh, the customer side or the implementation team for two reasons. Uh, it is it is somewhat more complex to um, roll out enterprise-wide, uh, multidiscipline, and really have a clear plan in place to, to deliver that across 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 employees. If you have that in place, there's absolutely no reason why we would not go with a large engagement uh, and really ensure that you create value at speed at, at the maximum impact to the enterprise. Very often uh, in, in customer situations, though, you have people from departmental levels bubbling it up uh, and really struggling to get buy-in outside of their own department to really scale it to, to the enterprise. And in those situations, I think also a small start, uh, a know and grow ability is absolutely the right choice for the client. But, you know, when something that adds value and is the right thing to do for the business and for the planet can be done in one big rollout, always go big. Always go big. Always go big. Yeah. I asked Daniela about the success criteria for POC going well. I'd actually like to go earlier in the process and think about the criteria to enter a POC, a pilot, whatever you want to call it, because I think, too, is... You know, having been on a sales for it, you know, if you know that, hey, if I can get people into a POC, maybe I have a higher win rate or I know if they, you know, if they feel the product that they'll, they'll yeah. be more likely to buy. But that can often inflate pipeline, right? Because then you have bad proof of concepts or unqualified proof of concepts. Yeah. So I'm curious, do you have any advice or criteria that you use to say, hey, I need to hit these check boxes before we're even ready to entertain a proof of concept? Absolutely. The number one criteria is client commitment. Um, and the client commitment has to come in the form of when we do a proof of concept or a pilot, uh, can we agree on a set of actions to a fixed time frame? And within that time frame, we have X amount of check-in points. We are jointly driving towards X amount of goals and we will have both commitments from our side to guide you through it and from your side to make it happen. So proof of concepts genuinely are meaningful when clients are engaged and willing to participate. What I would always see as a red flag is a proof of concept that is left with the client unguided, unaided, uh, and you know, the sales executive calling in, have you started yet? Have we started yet? Are we doing anything? And the reality is um, those are neither meaningful nor valuable to anybody. So when we have engagement and we have a commitment from both sides to invest the time to make it meaningful for the business, I'm a huge advocate. And again, I think to build trust and really prove that 
This is earned trust. It is a really good engagement. However, it should have a start and an end date and it should have clear milestones like any good project uh, in, 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 in practice to, uh, to really showcase what's happening and should be measured around, uh, around outcomes and metrics that were agreed prior to starting. Here's a fun fact for you. The proof of concept was born in US aerospace and aeronautics in the 1960s. Although you may not be putting a man on the moon, a successfully executed POC can rocket you to landing large, complex customers. However, there are many factors to take into consideration. A trial period of your product actually lengthens the sales cycle, can be expensive, and doesn't always lead to a sale. Over 78% of IT executives surveyed in Sapphire Ventures' CIO Innovation Index said that less than half of the POCs they participate in result in production deployments. So how long is too long? The research showed that POCs that last less than three months are three times more likely to result in successful commercial implementation. They don't drain as many resources and teams are able to quickly show how their product or service could drive business results for their customer. Shorter POCs help to maintain sales momentum and result in better commercial conversion rates. So if you have your initial kind of land, quote unquote land, even though I don't love that term. So you have your first knowing session with a client. Um, and what are red flags that you would look for in order to determine like, hey, this is off track and we're not going to be able to grow with this client. Um, and how soon can you detect some of those things? There's a couple of indicators, I think. First of all, by doing old school discovery, asking questions, you know, so if the client has had no time to consider outcomes, it's not a red flag, but I would certainly want uh, the team to discuss that and kind of say, okay, well, you know, how does this become something that is a must have from a nice to have? And, and again, let's talk outcomes that really will matter to your business and get clarity around that. So one point, and I think that if that's not to be answered, that's always a little bit of a red flag for me because then, you know, somebody who has been living with the challenge for 10 years, why not live with it for another five years? So what's that why? And, and, and how are we going to prove that that why matters to your business? And the second thing is if there's a gazillion other priorities and in many cases, there may be a huge priority. There may be one project that is critical to, you know, de-risk something important to the business or that is compliance related and it's a must do and, and that trumps any other project. And I think sometimes it's also okay from the client side to say, we have X amount of priorities at the moment, you're priority seven. And then it's okay to say, okay, when do we engage? And when is it meaningful for you to, to really invest the time that it deserves to be talking about in our situation about your contracting opportunities? And, um, and really, I think this, this communication and honest dialogue is super important when you talk about a land opportunity. And the final bit, if there is a lot of uncertainty and risk perceived, let's talk about it. You know, what do you need to understand from us around security, around trust, around certifications, um, rather than you going through this process and then 
probably being asked these questions by your IT team and being overwhelmed. So, and again, when you talk about land, it's mostly a departmental level. So people that not necessarily have a technical background, nor should they, nor need do they need to have. But I think it's critical that we have these red flags or areas of concern articulated and addressed. All right, Danielle, one of my favorite things to do is to quote people, whether it's something they said or something they wrote. Uh, and you said something uh, in the prep call for this podcast, which is you're only as successful as your first adoption. Can you expand a little bit on what you mean by that? Yeah, I think it's very hard to come back. It's possible, but it's hard to come back from, uh, from a failed implementation or a failed rollout. You know, if you have had a client engagement, trust was built, um, you work on bringing it to life and for whatever reason it doesn't happen um, or you haven't discussed it enough or the client convinced you that they were mature enough to do it on their own, it's very hard to, uh, to come back from that. So for me, it is utmost important that we always start with the end in mind. And again, I'm another quote from Stephen Covey uh, on highly effective people. One of the habits, I'm sure most, most listeners here have read the book and I live by that. Um, because if you don't understand what the end goal is, how are you gonna create success? And I, I often see people are in a motion where they get carried away and they forget that success and impact and value is, is the ultimate desired outcome from, uh, from any project. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing it. And therefore, my quote in, in, in that regard, to really ensure when you start a partnership with a customer, to really be thinking about, okay, how do I, A, get the technology adopted? How do I get the users trained? How do I get the executive team understanding the value of it? And how do I impact either their customer experience, either their employee experience, either their sustainability goals or speed to revenue, whatever, whatever metrics and areas of impact that you are supporting with the solutions that you're providing to your client, they have to be meaningful and they have to be attached to, to these key goals for any business. So Daniela, we started this conversation, like just touching on um, some of your passions um, and what really drew you to DocuSign. And I'd love to just dive into that a little bit more to hear, like, what are some of those aspects about your role, uh, about your organization that really get you amped and excited? Absolutely. Pleasure. So we have this uh, program that our um, CEO, Dan Springer, is very passionate about called uh, The Work of Your Life. So Really, everything is centered around making sure we create an environment where all of our employees have the opportunity to create the work of their life. So picture 20, 30, 40 years forward here in a rocking chair in Dublin, California, having a nice beverage. You know, would you look back and say, wow, those years I spent at DocuSign were the best years of my career. And here are the, here are the three reasons why. That's the kind of the ethos of it. And around that ethos are programs like Impact, which is, uh, which is our social corporate responsibility uh, program. And within that, there's, as you would expect from a company that is uh, 
really strongly pushing um, paperless office and making sure that we have sustainability goals upheld and, and achieved. Uh, an initiative around um, DocuSign for Forests, so really making sure that the uh, most important element that creates oxygen and a livable space for us humans is, is sustained and actually regenerated. So again, we're, we're committed to planting millions of trees with, the, with this initiative um, every year. Alongside many other um, social aspects that I'm passionate about, so I, I am the executive sponsor of the uh, Women ERG, which I can see also, Sheena, on your shirt, you are um, you're also a proud member of. And, and it's something that is super important to me um, as, as a woman leader in, in an industry where it's still not uh, a 50-50 space. It's much better than it's ever been before. But uh, centering some of the programs around ensuring we, we lift up the next generation of aspiring women leaders, that we have role model sessions for external groupings like children, girls and underprivileged areas to really give them, give them hope, give them inspiration and give them maybe access to something that they were not aware of before understanding career paths, the importance of education, and really by that effect, allowing them to choose a different path than maybe the ones that they're familiar with based on the, the environment and the um, families that they were born into, for instance. So hugely, hugely passionate about these areas and all of those, these areas are very much at the core of the culture DocuSign. And, and again, something that for me, certainly when I look back and look back at that career, the areas on, on that side of impact on, on future women leader and, and young, young girls in the community and all of the different uh, initiatives around sustainability that I know I have 100% pride in looking back uh, and, and saying, yeah, that was incredibly rewarding. It was the right thing to do. And it built a legacy that I can be very proud of. I really love that, um, you know, the work, the concept of, of work of your life and of the different initiatives that you've been able to be involved with. What would be your advice for folks who are looking to find that passion project within their own organizations? And for some of them, their companies may not be as far along and have robust programs like DocuSign, but... What advice would you give to these folks? My advice is always simple. Start, right? So an idea is wonderful. An idea is only meaningful with action. And there will always be somebody in your organization that will open doors for you. So for you to find a, an ally is, is probably easier than you think. However, if you do not communicate your ambition and your vision of what you would like to do and how you'd like to make an impact, people won't, won't understand. So two things, be brash and have conversations with people that you would perceive too senior to talk to potentially, because guess what? They have possibility to support and sponsor. Uh, the second thing is don't just have ideas, take actions. And if it's, if it's smaller than you'd hoped for, it's a starting point, so get started. And the third thing is 
find mentorship around other companies. Almost uh, every established organization offers um, ERGs and has people that are willingly open and helpful and engaged to to really support and really just understand what can be done and get get going. That would be my advice. Ever had a situation where you came to somebody asking for help and they just went like, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, can we go and inspire young girls in an underprivileged area? No, we're not going to do that. Can we do a mentorship program for young, talented women? No, we're not going to do that. That just doesn't happen, right? It's just articulating that idea and, and, and making it happen. And I think, I think um, really and truly, people are incredibly generous, incredibly helpful. And sometimes it just needs one person to lead and bring people together to, to ignite that spark. So true. Absolutely. Well, I want to cap off this lovely conversation with our final question that we ask all of our guests, which is how would you describe sales in one word? An adventure. There's two things that I really am passionate about. Number one is, is business and business impact and outcomes. And number two, meeting incredible people, right? And I think when you think about what sales allows you to do, it's to really understand business. It's to align a solution to the business and create impact. And you usually do that with incredibly smart people because you get the opportunity to work with the people that shape the customer experience, the employee experience, that shape whatever needs to be shaped in an organization to make it to make it better, to make their services, their products um, more engaging and to create opportunities for employment, for innovation and for the next generation. And in sales, I have to say, no day is the same. You get to do things like this, speak to amazing people on the other side of the world. And you really have the opportunity to be curious and to exchange a lot of uh, information and time with a lot of fantastic business people around the globe. And what else would you want to be doing with your life if not sales? Worded perfectly. And I don't know, what would anyone want to do? Certainly, certainly not marketing. <laughs> <laughs> no, this has been great. Daniela, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thanks for hanging out with us right before your Friday. Go get one of those chilled bottles of wine. Uh, enjoy it. And uh, I don't know, maybe send us a picture of you you know, cheersing because uh, you know, I'm sure it's been a good week for you. Thank Absolutely. you again. Thanks so much, Daniela. Every week we bring you a micro action, something to think about or an action you can put into play today. Daniela spoke about understanding your end goal and attaching metrics to your client's journey. Here are five land and expand account management KPIs that might help you identify accounts that present genuine opportunities. First, average revenue per user or ARPU. You wanna track if there's an increase in ARPU from the time of landing. Second, adoption levels. Follow the adoption curve of high value features for each and every account. Third, penetration level. Determine broader penetration levels across the organization. So this could be across departments or at the seat level. Fourth, engagement metrics. Frequently track the quality of engagement with higher level executives and decision makers across the org.
And finally, net dollar retention. This one might sound a bit financy, but if a customer spends a dollar with you today, how much are they spending with you after a certain period of time? You wanna make sure that's going up and to the right. So there you have it, your five land and expand KPIs. Did you like today's episode? Subscribe now so next week's episode will be waiting for you on Monday. And if you really like the podcast, please leave a review. Five-star reviews go a long way to help get the word out there. And if you're not ready to give a five, check out another episode and see if we've won you over by then. And if you have any feedback or you want us to interview one of your favorite revenue leaders, just email us at reveal at gong.io.